Yeah, yeah, yeah! Come and take a look at the snow. Bright white as far as your eyesight goes. Come and take a look at the fields of snow. I'll just get my coat, then we're good to go. Come and take a look at the lake. Let's have a quick skate before it gets late. Come and take a look at the frozen lake. Put your clothes on, mate. Don't make that mistake. Greetings, holiday shoppers. There are now 358 shopping days left until Christmas. Uh, welcome to Christmas Creeps, your one-stop shop for holiday movies and TV shows all year round. Hi, my name is Joseph Wade. I will be your host for this evening. Here with me tonight is my co-host, Johnny Five, the human robot. Yo, yo, yo. John, what's going on, buddy? How was your Christmas? Not a whole damn lot. It was okay. Uh, uneventful, which is all I really hope for. Yeah, that's that's I'm kind not... of the, the best, for the best, really. Like, an uneventful, kind of quiet Christmas is good. Yeah, I'm not too big on doing too much for it it's like hey cool i have a day where, where i'm not required to do anything and i'll take right, it yeah go see family have some food that's about it really uh yeah. but tonight on the show uh christmas is behind us uh we've, we've kind of gotten our july at christmas uh fever out of our system and we're ready to get back to uh the regular hol- your regularly scheduled holiday madness of just watching watching garbage that just happens to have a santa claus in it Exactly, exactly. Uh, we're going to ease back into it. We're going to um, slowly get, get you back onto that that holiday drip. Um, but first, we have a couple of surprises for you. Uh, we got a couple of segments before we get to our main event, the, uh, the movie we're, we're talking about tonight, which is, uh, as you might have guessed by the title of the episode, uh, Sylvester Stallone's 1986 film Cobra. Uh, but first, we have... Uh, two segments uh so we'll take a quick break and we'll jump into the first segment and here we go greetings uh holiday shoppers creepazoids friends of the podcast whatever you want to call yourselves uh this is a, a special segment here on christmas creeps we're doing kind of um sort of impromptu we weren't sure when we were going to be able to do this but the expiration date dictated that it has to be today so exactly so um, we've kind of been talking about this for a while. You might have heard us talk about this on the show maybe two or three months ago. There exist in the world Christmas tree-flavored potato chips. And Mr. J5 has procured a bag of these chips for us. And we know how much you love hearing us taste test shitty candies on the show. And we thought, well, why not taste test uh, a, a terrible-sounding bag of potato chips? Yeah, I'm chew into the microphone. Enjoy that ASMR, oh, yeah. motherfuckers. Oh, yes. These are from Iceland, which is a supermarket chain in the UK and other places. Fun fact, apparently the country of Iceland sued them about the name and lost. I don't know the details of it, but I know the supermarket won. Oh, wow. So it's it's actually British, but they're just calling it Icelandic? No, they're calling it Iceland because it's oh. a because it's a supermarket that specializes in frozen stuff mainly. Oh, okay. Iceland, not yes. Iceland. Okay. Yes. These are luxury Christmas tree flavored uh, Christmas tree flavor salted hand cooked crisps, and it has a little bag badge on it that says festive flavor. Uh, the ingredients list: potatoes, sunflower oil, pine salt flavor seasoning, and that's it. Pine salt or pine salt? This is very important. Salt. Okay. The tea. It's gonna clean my shit out. Yes. There was one review on the website for them. Their review said these taste like dirt. So, <laughs> I can't wait. We will find the fuck out. And we have uh, we've got a couple of beers ready on hand to wash these down with too. So, uh, yeah, crack that bad boy open. Okay, 
these do kind of smell actually like a Christmas tree. That's very disconcerting. Okay, let's see here. Oh, oh. I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, you you you've done what you were setting out to do, but at what cost? It's it's like putting your head in a fireplace where you accidentally put part of the Christmas tree. Oh yeah, look at that waveform go. <laughs> First impressions. The aftertaste is a lot worse than the taste. I'm 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 afraid. I'm very. When you afraid. eat it, it just tastes like potatoes. But then you have this like weird like thing that shouldn't be a flavor left over in your mouth afterwards. This is what Metallica's "The Thing That Should Not Be" was about. Apparently so. Okay. There it is. Oh. <laughs> oh, and you are one and done, are you? That's, oh, I, oh, that's not, that's not doing me right at all. Oh, my God. Uh, it's the, like licking the floor of a taxi cab. <laughs> <laughs> the friend who sent me these, when I, when I asked her about them, um, she said that if I wanted to, she would also get me um, British Christmas tree, which the two flavors she pointed out were Brussels sprouts and pigs in a blanket. Oh. Specifically, it is marketed as Christmas tea. Tea. Okay. Yes. Okay. Like Christmas tea flavors. They specifically say Christmas on the box, and it's Brussels sprouts is one of them, and pigs in a blanket is the other one. I'm trying to figure, think of which which of those two I would rather drink. Like, I guess the, the Brussels sprouts one I just imagine gives off a really funky odor. For the pigs in a blanket, I'm just imagining literally hot dog water. It's, yeah, that's just, that's just hot dog water. That's fine. I mean, I've encountered hot dog water before that's no big deal but the i mean it really does taste like when you're like walking through the woods and get it like a fucking tree limb in the mouth yeah that's exactly it so it's like congratulations you succeeded at what you were doing but why did you do it yes indeed and and, and before this we we had kind of guessed that maybe because uh there's like a juniper kind of flavor to the ch the, the chips right like the pine juniper. Yeah. So we kind of assumed that this was going to taste like a mint julep or a, a vodka tonic or something. Some kind of alcoholic drink with gin in it. And. I mean, it, it does taste like if you happen to literally eat part of a tree. Yeah. It, 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 it tastes not, more not like Not one that. of the trees you're supposed to eat. Mm -mm, no. Like every joke that I can think of regarding like taxi cab air fresheners is coming to my mind right now. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the problem with this is it. It it has adequately done what it was tr what it was setting out to do. <laughs> bring it bring it here. <laughs> Let's go in for round two. Oh God, I know, right? What's wrong with us? And it says specifically, this was made with no palm oil. As I understand, in the UK, that's kind of a big deal right now. I should hope not. It's a pine tree, not a palm tree. Well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> they're banning the use of palm. Palm oil. That is news to me. I'm not sure what that's even um, about. Because palm, uh, palm tree deforestation is apparently a, oh, okay. a big issue. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we're in America. That doesn't matter to us. Nah. Who cares? We're gonna be dead in ten years anyway. Yeah. Um. Oh, if we're lucky. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I mean if we're lucky, it'll only be ten years, or if it's lucky, we'll at least last ten years. Yeah. Both work. Yeah. Either we're way. Twenty nineteen, motherfuckers. <laughs> Here's to a happy new year. Okay, for y'all. Right, one more. One more for the road. 
and then we'll call this a day. You know, Karen wants to try these as well, so I have to take some to her. Yeah, I'm like, we're not going to eat. There's a lot in here. This is a big bag. Yeah, this is like 180 grams. It's about the size of like half of like a regular normal like big bag of chips you'd buy to put in the pantry. Yeah, this is more than like a single serving, but definitely like not quite like a family size bag of chips. She also sent me some old tasers, which I think those kind of work better for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. As advertised, but at what cost is all I'll say. But at what cost? It's like the kind of thing you would buy somebody as a prank. Here in the U.S., at least. And then we're just inflicting this on ourselves because that's just us. Yeah, because this is the show that we do, and we have to entertain y'all somehow. Are you not entertained, Creepazoids? Oh, oh my God. I did it for you, Damien. It's all for you. <laughs> uh. All right. And we're back. Uh, so, John. And because of the government shutdown, Brad's not here to say a dinosaur story. It's so terrible. Oh, yeah. That's the one thing he gets paid to do. I didn't let him do it this time. Oh, boy. So, yeah, John, uh, the 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 pine tree chip taste is still lingering in my mouth it's kind of terrible karen tried them and she likes them really because she said they taste like someone dipped potato chips in gin and she likes gin no see that's what we kind of figured like there was going to be some kind of gin aspect to it so I'm, i'm glad she at least can appreciate that yeah she's fucking weird she likes that cucumber gin which good god (laughs) <laughs> yeah She's i'm not, not much of a gin herself person, so. so those chips yeah. are kind of lost on me yeah that's all good yeah she was going to be with us today but she's feeling a bit under the weather so we're uh doing this a duo um but yeah overall christmas tree chips not as bad as we expected but also why yeah, that's kind of the question we came up with was just like, who exactly is this for? And I guess the the answer is idiots like us who yeah. will do this on a podcast. I would compare it to like the Jones Soda Thanksgiving nonsense, except these are still edible at least, which you can't say that. Like the Jones Soda stuff is not made to actually be drank. No, no, it's it's that's a prank in a bottle. But this, okay. there, there's obviously an audience out there for it. I mean, Karen liked them. So an audience of one. <laughs> Just in the wrong country. All right, so we're, uh, mo- moving on, we've got uh, one more quick, uh, one more pre-recorded segment uh, to surprise you with tonight. Uh, so, uh, J-Man has has uh, gotten involved in a Twitter beef, and it kind of involves our show. So uh, we're gonna cut to that now, and uh, uh, we'll see you on the other side. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna do something we haven't really done in a while. For good reason we haven't done it in a while, but uh, this is a special circumstance. We're going to read some bullshit off the internet and then scoff audibly at it. That's mm. pretty much what's going on. Uh, if, if if Brad were here, this would be a part of the of the Bradford Exchange. Yes, but Brad's not here because Brad's on strike. Yes, Brad is on strike for New Year's. Therefore, uh, it's just John and me. Sorry, fuck you, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, John, this came. Th- you brought this to our attention, and I feel like you can explain this best. All right, so 17 hours ago, I got banned from Twitter for this for 12 hours, by the way, because I, I swore at a blue check mark. <laughs> that's that's my fault. I should know better. I should know better. Mother was right to punish me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it, Philippe Rines, who is 
I don't give a shit if I'm pronouncing his name correctly or not. Um, he's basically just a hashtag resistance asshole. He worked on Gore Lieberman's campaign. He worked on um, Hillary's State Department, Hillary's campaign. So just to say he's just, he's just a lifelong party asshole is pretty much how sure. to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, 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 and just to like lay it out there, like we don't have any beef with that in itself. I, I I do because I'm just like I'm just like uh, I, I I will say full communism and only be about like thirty percent ironic about it, but that's just me personally. Right, we're not coming at this from the other like you know no, not Merry Christmas motherfuckers kind of place. So. No, we're we're coming at this from like this guy sucks and is online even more than we are, and he makes a lot of money, so he should like have other things to do with his fucking life than be online and make bad tweets. But here we are. Right, this is our job. This is not his job. Yes. This is doubly so our job because we're the fucking Christmas podcast, and what we say is a Christmas movie counts. And every, every anything anything we've recorded on this podcast is necessarily a Christmas movie because we're the Christmas podcast, right? Unless explicitly stated, like in last week's episode, yeah, or Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus is not a Christmas movie. I'll give you that. Right, right, right. However, according to this man's logic, it's also not a Halloween movie. Yeah, here's his here's his uh, Eric Garland ass Adderall and craft beer tweet storm. Here's what's first tweet. Die Hard was released on July 15th, 1988. Christmas every year is December 25th. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie, period. Which, if we want to get into that first off, It's a Wonderful Life was released in January. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of Christmas movies are released in November before Thanksgiving even happens, which if you want to get into what people think counts as actual Christmas creep, people complain when you see things before Thanksgiving for Christmas. Which, yes. by the way, Walmart already has Valentine's candy out as we speak. And they have had it out for weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So... But also, you know, like we, like I just said, Hocus Pocus was released in July. I think maybe even July 15th. And by this man's logic, not a Halloween movie. Not at all. Here's Then he says, I'm processing everyone's responses because he did not get ratioed, but it's pretty close. I'm processing everyone's responses, which are, shall we say, not in complete agreement with me. I'm keeping an open mind to criticism of my release date argument, as well as other points people have enthusiastically offered. Then I will drop a logic bomb on your heads. I'm so ready for the logic bomb. Oh, God. There, there. I'm gonna. There's like 15 fucking tweets like this, and they're all just awful. Never tweet like this, by the way. Never tweet. First off, that's bad. But like, don't tweet like this. Doubly so. Hang on. I want to talk about this. His first tweet here, because okay. I have a specific beef with this tweet. His first tweet in this argument is to start. You turn on HBO at 11 p.m. on May 15th and see Die Hard is on. You say cool. You switch to Showtime and Charlie Brown Christmas is on, and you say what the fuck. So his argument is because HBO shows Die Hard in May, therefore it must not be a Christmas movie. Well, guess what, motherfuckers? I watch Home Alone in June like once a year. Like they they show Home Alone all the goddamn time and they don't even care. Yeah. Also, I would be surprised if Charlie Brown Christmas was on Showtime because I'm like, wow, there are no titties in Charlie Brown Christmas. What's it doing on Showtime? Yeah, because I mean, if you want to be pedantic about it, oh, we'll be fucking pedantic about it. Don't worry. Oh yeah. If you if you want to play in our sandbox, we'll play in the fucking sandbox. Uh, I shit in the sandbox earlier. <laughs> but yeah, uh, this argument is just total bullshit because it's it's personal fucking preference. That's just like your opinion, man. Right. Like you, you can literally we're you can watch a movie whenever you fucking feel like we yeah, we watch Christmas movies all year round and don't even think twice about it. I no. don't think twice about it. I don't know about you. No, like I'm I didn't watch Christmas Vacation yet this year, which I try to do every year. Mm hmm. And I'm going to go watch it this weekend because, like, I haven't watched it yet. I haven't watched that in a and while. Honestly, like, and I, I talked about this on Twitter recently. Part of my new Christmas tradition is I, it's not quite Christmas yet until I watch a Godzilla movie. So that's just the way I enjoy the holidays. So 
Is that wrong? A true Xmas movie is seasonal and should feel out of place uh, out of the holiday season. A Muppet's Christmas Carol is seasonal as is a Muppet's Christmas is seasonal as is the Muppet Christmas Carol. The Muppet movie is not. A Christmas movie should feel awkward out of the holiday season. Die Hard does not. That's because it's a good movie. Right. Like, it doesn't matter when the movie should take place. And also, you know, Die Hard with the Vengeance kind of proves that you can set a Die Hard movie whenever. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. However, they made a very specific choice to set Die Hard at Christmas. It's not yeah. an accident. Yeah. I mean, th- that's a big thing of just looking at directorial intent is mm-hmm. why Why did they include... They didn't have to go buy fucking Christmas lights in July to make this damn movie, but they did. But exactly. And they did. They didn't have to put, you know, sleigh bells in the soundtrack, but they did. They didn't have to make Don's Gruber's theme song, Ode to Joy. Yeah. But they did. They didn't have to make the first fucking sound you hear, like musically, sleigh bells. The yeah. first fucking actual song you can recognize you hear is Christmas in Hollis. Yes. This is not, yeah, this is not an accident. Yeah, it's not an accident, and it's not a prank, and it's not a joke. This is, it, it's the whole, like, purpose of the movie. Number three, elements of Christmas do not a Christmas movie make. Lethal Weapon has a Christmas tree lot scene. It's Christmas time. Lethal Weapon is not a Christmas movie. Fuck you. We watch this podcast. It's a Christmas movie. Lethal Weapon is about a man becoming a part of a, of a family over holidays. Lethal Weapon is a Christmas movie. Christmas is a prop in Die Hard, but not crucial. Could have easily has been a bar mitzvah. No. We, no. Have, we talked about this on the Die Hard episode. While you could get away with making a movie such as Die Hard not at Christmas time. I mean, they've did it. they did it three times. Yes. But the problem with the first Die Hard is... All the elements to set it up as to what's going on is because it's a, it's a Christmas party at Christmas Eve, which is fucking weird anyway. Like, yeah. Like, have you have you ever been to a work Christmas party that wasn't on like December twelfth or some shit? No, never. Like the Christmas party for where I'm working right now, which changes about every week where I'm fucking working because uh, capitalism. Yep, hooray. Um, the party was on December seventeenth, and your office probably the party was like on what? It was like two weeks ago on Friday. Yeah, yeah. As we were we're recording this. On December 29th, so yeah. Yeah. So having yeah having a Christmas party on Christmas Eve is really weird, first off, because... What asshole expects his employees to show yeah. up at work on Christmas Eve? That's actually Eve? a weird thing I was thinking about with Christmas is... Christmas is one of those holidays where, even more so than a lot of other holidays, the build-up to Christmas is almost more important than Christmas itself. These days, yes. Because you do all of this shit before Christmas, and then on Christmas it's just like, you just shoot your fucking load, basically. It's just like, yeah, we unwrap this, the kids have this fun, is, we this is eat, it. We're and done. then I gotta, back, gotta go to go back to work on Friday. Right, and we're like kind of in that sort of weird middle period right now where it's technically still, quote-unquote, the holidays, just because New Year's is still two days away. Yeah. Where, depending on your job, you either have off until have off another few days or you're kind of there but you're just kind of fucking around which that's what my job is we're there about like whatever there's another holiday coming up so who cares and personally like yeah i i I would go there but it would be like what are you doing here go home there's nothing to do the last point was independence day is not a passover movie which i mean independence day is not really a celebration of the fourth of july it's not independence day uses Independence Day to beat you over the head with jingoism. Independence Day is what this guy thinks Die Hard is. Because Independence Day really could have taken place at any given time. It's a fucking alien invasion movie. Yeah, it doesn't matter when it takes place. The only reason Independence Day takes place across the 4th of July is so that Bill Pullman can say that stupid speech at the end. Yeah. And now my friend Libby is going to beat me over the head because I said that speech was stupid. <laughs> um, it's kind of like with like we, like we discussed with Rocky IV and like we'll fucking discuss with Cobra. Yeah. Um, that... The only reason this movie takes place at the only movie those two reasons the only reason Rocky Four and Cobra take place at Christmas is because Celestia Snow is being like yeah it's more meaningful because all this shit's happening on Christmas yeah 
And that's that's the same with It's a Wonderful Life for that fucking matter. The only reason the last 30 minutes of It's a Wonderful Life are at Christmas Eve is so Jimmy Stewart would be like, oh, it's extra bad because this has happened on fucking Christmas. Exactly. Like, it, it, there's no reason for It's a Wonderful Life to be a Christmas movie other than just like, oh, it's super bad that he's feeling all shitty and wants to kill himself because it's Christmas. Right. And also, the lesson he should have learned with It's a Wonderful Life was, oh, it's not that I should have been born. It's that I should, it's that I should fake my death for the insurance money because I've had a good run so far. But if I just, like, peace the fuck out, all these people get paid and everything's better. Peace out, Mary. Peace out, Zuzu. I'm going to Jamaica. Exactly. You can say It's a Wonderful Life is a Christmas movie because it represents, like, the goodness in people and all that, and that's fine, but what about that makes it Christmassy? Um, from what I've heard people say is the big reason It's a Wonderful Life is associated with Christmas is because one TV station or another just started playing it incessantly at Christmas time. Right, right. Four. Your six-year-old wakes up Christmas morning and wants to watch Miracle on 34th Street. You say, great. Some same kid wants to watch Die Hard. You don't say, great. Because you know it's t- really a caper movie, and it's rated R. Tough to be a true Christmas movie if children are banned. Fuck you, Philippe. That, that's, that's making a lot of assumptions about me and my children and what we like to watch. You know? Who's to say that a ki- First of all, what kid is getting up at Christmas morning and saying, I have to watch Miracle on 34th Street in, in 2018? It's his overly precocious three-year-old who's like, "Mother, why is Bernie Sanders a bad man?" <laughs> like these, this, like all of these dumb, like resistance assholes post this like shit that didn't happen. Shove it in mouth, mm-hmm. shove it in the mouth of, shove it in the mouth of a child. Therefore, you can't criticize me because oh, a child said it. I want to watch the movie about the pools. Daddy, can we throw garbage at homeless people? It should be ever so joyous. Five Christmas movies don't have die in the title. Oh fuck you! Some German Christmas movie has die in the title. <laughs> I guarantee you. <laughs> uh, for that, I'll just say for piss dish, Joe. <laughs> I don't know what you. I don't know. What that means mean. fuck you, Joe. Okie dokie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's all. That's really basically all I get out of my like nine years of German at this point. Is I just know how to swear in German at people. That's fine. It works for it. All right. Next point here. Next point here. He has is Christmas movies don't have body counts. Um, Christmas shoes. Let's just go with It's a Wonderful Life. Christmas Shoes. Yes. I heard that song at work and I wanted to increase the body count by killing myself and everyone else there. But hey, I want to take him at his word here because I want to, I want to f- finally and concretely say that Christmas Shoes is not a Christmas movie. Okay. Done. I'll take it. So, Philippe, thank you. You've released us from a terrible here's burden. Bigger, here's the bigger point. So, when George wishes to never been born in It's a Wonderful Life, one of the things he realized <laughs> is that if he was never been born... He would not have saved Harry. Yes. And Harry would have not have saved, like, literally a boat full of people. So one of the things Clarence shows George is like, yeah, all these fucking people on this boat you don't know died because you're not around, George. Mm-hmm. Which, like, that's a fucking body count. That, yeah, if that's not a body count, I don't know what is. But I'm thinking, I'm trying to think, like, okay. So Home Alone is a Christmas movie only because Kevin doesn't murder Harry and Marv. Christmas Vacation, kind of the same thing. Yeah, you know. speaking of... A Miracle on 4th Street, classic Christmas movie, was followed up with a sequel, Miracle on 35th Street. A Miracle on Canal Street rounded out the trilogy. No, because true X's Christmas, movie, Christmas movies aren't franchises, Home Alone. The Die Hard films are a series of action-slash-caper movies. There are not multiple Miracle on 34th Streets, correct? Yes, he's making the point that if there were, it would be bad. Which I But yeah. why? Live Free, or does, Live Free or Die Hard does not negate the fact that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Live Free or Die Hard is a, is, takes place on the 4th of July, which what they're going with that is like, yeah, it's set on a holiday. Yeah. And but... one of the reasons Die Hard with a Vengeance is not a Christmas movie 
like what I mean by that is not set at Christmas mm-hmm. is that first off it didn't start out as a, like like and like basically all of the Die Hard movies it didn't start out as a Die Hard movie yeah and second off one of the points was it's just taking place in like the hottest fucking day of the year like it's in like yeah. do the right thing ass bullshit right 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 taking him at his word here Christmas Vacation is part three of the Vacation series does that mean Vacation Christmas Vacation is not a Christmas movie. Yeah, that's that's uh, among other arguments about Die Hard, like oh, it takes place on Christmas Eve. Fucking so does Christmas Vacation. So does like uh, so many Christmas movies take place on Christmas Eve or just in general around the holidays. Yeah. Like Christmas Vacation is literally the whole framing device of that movie is the advent calendar leading up to Christmas Eve. Yeah. Eight. Don't even start with Die Hard Two being a Christmas movie. Could be any day of the year with overcrowded airports and late flights. Meaning it could be any day of the year. Honestly, I'll give him that one. <laughs> well, the, the reason Die Hard Two is it takes place at Christmas is because Die Hard took place at Christmas. I mean that that's right. And the whole point of Die Hard Two is let's replicate the first one as hard as we can. And yeah. I think Die Hard Two is the reason Rennie Harlan went insane and became Rennie Harlan. Yes. Yeah. This 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 guy is just a fucking like. Prude is not even the right word. He's just a fucking wet blanket is the biggest problem seeing going with his next tweet. He's nine. I'm Jewish, so Stop. I can't be... Oh, yeah, there we go. Actually, yeah. There we go. You're Jewish, so like, what's your fucking opinion? So go what go is... watch Eight Crazy Nights, So buddy. what does he care? Yeah. I mean, I, I get it that when you live in this country or on this planet, you're kind of in like inundated with Christmas stuff. Right. But at this point, all I've been doing the past couple weeks has been playing Lego Lord of the Rings. So I've been pretty like not focusing yeah, on any you've been insulated away yeah. from it yeah. like it, it's very easy to not pay attention to any like media shit at all especially nowadays when there's so much media to, like to personally stick in your own face yeah. like is it like hey free lego lord of the rings humble wumble sure yeah take it but um, okay but anyway his, his larger point is i don't think you all go to a christmas mass and christmas dinner greeting each other with yippee kaye gammy which like no of course we don't why would you do that you don't go to a Christmas party and start singing the Gremlins theme. <laughs> no, I am. But yeah, I mean, it kind of it's it's that's what annoying annoying thing about Die Hard is the fact that Yippie Kaye become like a catchphrase. Yeah, because the entire point in the first one was he was joking about being a cowboy. Exactly. And it just became a catchphrase. It's kind of the same way that like the Ode to Joy sort of accidentally became John McClane's theme song, even in even though. In the first movie, it's Hans Gruber's theme song. Yeah. Like, but it's like very specifically, there's like reasons why they did it because Ode to Joy is kind of, it's a Beethoven piece, correct? Yes. And Beethoven was German, right? Yes. So was Hans Gruber. And also it is, it is one of those songs that's not really about Christmas, but it does kind of get thrown it's, around at Christmas time. It's, it's in the, it's in the religious holiday ballpark. Yeah. Yeah. Better yet, what if a guest showed up wearing this? And now I have a Machine Gun Ho Ho sweater. It's like, that's a good fucking sweater. What are you talking about, that's dipshit? A, that's a great sweater to wear at a Christmas party. Like, no sane person would ever go walk into a church wearing that. But yeah. still, I don't go into a church wearing most things. That doesn't mean that they're not I don't go into a church. I mean, that, that's yeah, problem solved. Yeah. Which, there again, like, I, I, I realize a lot of people out there, some former listeners and maybe some current listeners, kind of maybe have a problem with the way we observe the holidays. And, you know, all I can say is... You celebrate it your way, and that's fine. And we'll take we'll do it our way, and that's fine too. Yeah. Uh, Ten. I'll admit I never thought about her name being Holly, but that's hardly dispositive. It, it's one of those things that's just it's another it's another so, point. Who cares? Well, what what he's what he's arguing he's trying to argue against that point, but that that point is is a like. That's like number five on your list of points. Like plus also this. Yeah. So re- re- like refuting that, you you still managed not to refute like one through four. So. Right. 
Bottom line, while the timing and trappings of a Christmas underpin Die Hard, it's not a Christmas movie in the spirit of bona fide Christmas movies. To even have a de- to even debate have to debate the issue shows it's not. No real Christmas movie warrants the same debate. Well, we just did it with It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. So And we can do it with Home Alone as well. Like, why does Home Alone take place at Christmas? Because it's the reason Home Alone takes place at Christmas is exactly why di- why It's a Wonderful Life takes place at Christmas. Because you can go, oh, it's Christmas. That means it's extra bad that he's not with his family. Right. That's that's literally it. It's the whole the whole excuse is that his family is going on a Christmas trip. It, it, this should have been the plot of Christmas Vacation. Wait a minute. The family should have gone to Paris and left Clark Griswold at home to fend for himself. Except what he's doing instead of fighting off burglars is he's trying to he's trying to make Eddie think that he's not home so Eddie won't come to visit. Yeah. <laughs> See? See? But, but no, like home Okay, so there's a whole other issue with regarding Home Alone too because like there's this this like tweet Twitter thing that blew up recently where somebody suddenly realized that the house in Home Alone is decorated for Christmas. The wallpaper is is like red and green themed and there's like holly you know, sort of on all the ugly 90s wallpaper and stuff. And, oh, my God, what family does this? Well, like, the answer is, like, a fucking rich family in Chicago. Yeah, who has, like, 90 kids. And you can be like, like, hey, Buzz, go put up some fucking mistletoe. But also, like, it's a fucking movie that's stylized to be set around the holidays. They Again, they did this on purpose to make you think about the holidays and Christmas in particular. Yeah. It's not an accident. It's not some like secret mystery that they're trying to put in there to like for an Easter egg for all you hardcore Marvel fans out there. It's simply like the basic bare bones of what a film has to do to put you in the mindset of like the 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 time period and the era and the mood that they're trying to get you to go, to think about. That's filmmaking 101, and it's not some like secret cabal that's trying to trick you into thinking that it's a Christmas movie. It's just a fucking Christmas movie. His final point is that Bruce Willis said that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie, which I'm pretty sure John McTiernan said it was, and I don't listen to Bruce Willis anyway. So Bruce Willis is, has kind of gone off the deep end for a number of reasons, and I don't listen to anything he says anymore. I mean, even in Die Hard, Bruce Willis' entire character was he was kind of playing a, sli- a only slightly hinged asshole. Yeah. Like, yeah. that was just the character he played. Like, one of the great things about Die Hard with a Vengeance is when he's wearing the extremely racist sign and the and the guys come up and confront him about it, he just starts ranting in an insane voice about literally what happened that morning. Right. Like, he's not making up a story. He's literally just telling them, like, what happened this morning. He's like, I told her I had a bad headache and she made me come out here and put on the sign. And, and it's just like, you, you, that, that's just how Bruce Willis acts normally to me. Like, that's, that's just Bruce Willis <laughs> being Bruce Willis. You could make an argument that so many movies aren't Christmas movies. You want to use his bullshit. Yeah, I mean, and, and the bigger point is like, I know we're just perpetuating this by talking about this, but like, when you start talking about what counts as a true Christmas movie or not, it's like you're trying to fucking please other people's fun. Which exactly, and and the idea of the Christmas police like being out in full force it kind of offends me. It really, yeah, if it anyone's really going to be the Christmas judge, Judy, and executioner, it's us exactly like that we've trust us we've been doing this since 2015 i think we know what we're talking about by now yes or at least or at least we have the experience we are we are the most qualified people we to are fucking dig a goddamn political knife in there exactly we are the we christmas creeps is the authority on what is and what is not a christmas movie and to be perfectly honest i don't even think that's the question we should be asking the question we should be asking is how christmassy is this movie Yes, and I think that's a pretty good segue into our movie for this week. Yes, which we're watching Cobra this week, 
And the reason we're watching Cobra this week is because for some goddamn reason it has a bunch of Christmas shit in it. But also because the day we're releasing this, New Year's Eve, happens to be in the Christian liturgical calendar, the, the Feast of St. Sylvester. And in, and in German, New Year's Eve is just called Sylvester, yeah. So why not talk about another Stallone movie? <laughs> hey, why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? You know, here on Christmas Creeps, there's about really one higher authority, if any, that we actually kind of respect. And that would have to be the true father Christmas, Alonzo Duralde. Yeah, and in his book, uh, Have Yourself a Movie Little Christmas, here's what he has to say about Die Hard. <clears throat> Even the Christmas setting isn't a throwaway. In the classic tradition of Christmas movie leading men, John McClane undergoes a sort of redemption, learning to appreciate his wife and to see her in a new light. Oh, and the climactic shootout involves gift wrap. There you go. So Case there you closed. go. I mean, it's everything that we just wasted a whole lot of time saying in about two sentences. There you have it, folks. It's right there in the book. Uh, any, <laughs> anywho, I guess it's time for us to talk about tonight's movie. Uh, we've wasted your yes. time enough. Uh, so yeah, uh, 1986's Cobra. The, everyone who says Die Hard is not a Christmas movie, and here's the reasons why. The movie they're describing is Cobra. Because yeah. Cobra ha- has you know Christmas decorations kind of throughout, but has absolutely nothing at all to do with the holidays. No one wishes anyone a happy a happy holiday or Merry Christmas or even so much as you know sings a Christmas carol. It's yeah, n- no one really actually acknowledges that it's Christmas in any way. Even just saying yeah, like you said, Merry Christmas. It's just the t- the guy in the toll booth at one point is dressed up as Santa. There's Christmas decorations everywhere. Uh, someone mm-hmm. over the PA in the supermarket mentions poinsettias. That's about it, though. It's just, it's more that they just happened to be filming the movie without a permit while Christmas was going on. Yeah, basically. And it, and in Los Angeles, who can tell the difference? Um, I think the, the most Christmassy this movie gets is one of that early scene where Cobra is has, has gone home and he's cleaning his gun and he's watching TV and there's an ad for Toys R Us on the TV. Like a Christmas yeah, ad for Toys R Us. Yeah. And then, you know, about an hour later into the movie, you have, like, a shot of, like, the sun, like, distorting, like, your vision with seagulls flying in front of it. Right. And it's, yeah. it's like, literally two days later. Mm-hmm. And like, a lot of the the night scenes in this movie have Christmas lights, and they kind of do that thing that Shane Black likes to do, where he really just sets his movies at Christmas so he can make use of that kind of lighting. Yeah. But, it, but he actually goes that extra step to kind of give it a reason to be set at Christmas. Like, he makes that sort of a part of the plot. Even if it is, again, kind of superfluous, he at least makes the attempt. This movie makes no attempt. <clears throat> so I, I guess I guess the, the place to start with Cobra... Yes, yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to talk about Cobra. Like, this is an episode about Cobra. So if you're not into that, um, I hope the, f- the first 30 minutes of this show sufficed because we're getting ready to talk about Cobra. We need to talk about Cobra. <laughs> <laughs> we um, talk about when we talk about Cobra. We should talk about how, like, the lead into this movie first, like, why this movie exists. Yeah, because that's, that's kind of more interesting than the movie itself. Because uh, basically, uh, Stallone was originally signed on to play Eddie Murphy's character in Beverly Hills Cop. But Stallone right. is actually, to some extent, an accomplished screenwriter. I mean, he wrote fucking Rocky. Yeah. Uh, so he started doing a lot of work on the screenplay and turned it into just a straight up, like, from like an action comedy-ish movie into straight up just a, a straight up action movie. Mm-hmm. And the studio was just like, yo, we can't afford to do any of this. And yeah, I mean, to give you an idea of the kind of things that he put in the screenplay, 
his version of Beverly Hills Cop ended with Stallone playing chicken with the villain while the villain's driving a train and he's driving a Lamborghini. <laughs> That's the kind of shit that the studio was like, uh, we can't pay for this. This is too expensive for us. So literally like, just like, yeah, I'll what? make my own movie with blackjack and hookers. Exactly. So literally like two weeks before they were set to shoot, uh, Stallone's gone. Stallone was out. A Murphy was in and they made Beverly Hills cop and that ended perfectly fine. Beverly Hills cops. Great. Yeah. Uh, but then Stallone decided, well, I'm just going to take all these ideas and make my own movie. And there you have Cobra. But at the same time, Cobra is still kind of sort of based on the same book that Beverly Hills Cop was kind of sort of based on. Uh, Paula Gosling's, uh, it's called A Running Duck, but it's also referred to as Fair Game, which itself was made into a movie starring Cindy Crawford in the 90s. So, God, what a clusterfuck. Yeah. Um, I think of, of I, I'm not that familiar, but I think of the three, Cobra is probably the least, uh, the least related to the book. Yeah, almost definitely. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Cobra is, is geez, it's interesting is what I'll say, which is not as the same as saying it's good. It, it is one of those movies that only could really exist in like the late 70s to, to, to the 80s mm-hmm. where it's it's purely ego driven. Like Stallone wrote it despite um, what's his name? The guy who directed First Blood Part Two. um uh, George Cosmatos being credited as director, Stallone basically directed it. Mm-hmm. And, and it it's it's kind of I don't know the the situation like where Cobra kind of sits in 1986 is kind of interesting because like it it came about at a time when like the L.A. police being militarized to sort of control minority populations in L.A. for the 84 Olympics was kind of a big deal, and that kind of spun out into all sorts of horrible things like the LA riots and stuff like that. But also you get yeah. movies where like LA super cops are like a huge genre of movie. And this is kind of the most stereotypical movie, like part, like yeah. part kind of that movie. Yeah. It's kind of weird because it feels like where the screenwriters are coming from, are just like, Oh, the cops have like grenades and rocket launchers stuff right now. Well, the cops are the good guys. So obviously they need them. So mm-hmm. we just have super criminals now. And spe- and to go back to Die Hard for a minute, the best example of all of this is in Die Hard, where the police try to storm Nakatomi Plaza with that tank to absolutely no avail. Like, yeah. no, they shouldn't have a tank at all, but they're going to use it on this fucking terrorist organization who's taken over uh, the top floor of a, a, sky- yeah, a skyscraper. Which, which the entire reason their tank fucks up and they get it they get it lit on fire is because they tried to drive it up a flight of stairs and it got stuck. Exactly. So not only is it completely inadequate for the uh, the task at hand but they're also totally incompetent yes. um <laughs> so what we're saying is you should be watching die hard instead um but no back to cobra yeah um the two uh main stars sylvester Stallone plays marion cabretti my one of my favorite hero names ever by the way yeah marion cabretti and Brigitte Nielsen plays a model named Ingrid, and, and they were they were together at this time, right? Like this it was not because of this movie; it was already established. I think so. Yeah, I I, yeah, I knew they they divorced fairly soon after this movie. I think, but uh, yeah, let's see, may or may um, not be because of it. Yeah, she she was married to Sloan in eighty five, divorced in eighty seven. So yeah, this movie was the middle point of that. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Also, also just funny. She she played like one of the villains in Beverly Hills Cop two, didn't she? 
I think she did. Yeah. Yeah. She, cause I remember her from like the beginning. That's one of those movies where I only remember seeing parts of it on comedy central basically. Mm-hmm. And I remember like one of the, one of like the first scenes in it is a robbery and she's just like, everybody touch the sky. <laughs> like some inten- intentionally weird English. Right. Okay. Uh, but yeah, basically this movie kind of feels, I'm, I'm not gonna say cut from the same cloth as Dirty Harry. It's, it's more like someone rubbished around in the trash cans outside the fabric store where they got the cloth for Dirty Harry, maybe. <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, it's it's like they tried to fill, make a make a second pot of coffee from the grounds that made Dirty Harry, and yeah. it's just even further watered down and gross. Yeah, I will say I do like this movie just for how like so bafflingly eighties it is. This is really not that good of a movie by any metric, other than just like it wasted eighty seven minutes of my life. Yeah, but at the same time, I, there's something there's it's got this quality to it that i can't quite define where i just i enjoy the 80s-ness of it because yeah. like it's still so like there's it's neon soaked and and grimy and dirty and it's very like got this cops and robbers sort of 80s mentality to it that i, I just sort of gravitate towards i guess because i'm an 80s kid and that's just pretty much what yeah. i know yeah but uh yeah i it's it's definitely a guilty pleasure kind of movie yeah yeah so the plot such as it is, is that there is a gang in L.A. I think what I think they're called the New Order. Is that right? Uh, what it is is there's a serial killer called the Night Slasher, and that's what the police know. And it turns out that he has basically an entire gang or an army of murders behind him called like the New Order, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. They're basically it's just some like Darwinian bullshit. It's like oh, it's survival of the fittest. We're gonna kill the weak and blah 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 blah. And it, it almost seems like they're two completely different ent- entities because. He kind of operates independent of them, I think. I feel like because they do their thing and they kill people, you know, in the middle of the night. But then the night slasher goes around kind of on his own and kills other people too. Yeah, he he is with them, but he will just go and yeah, like it, we'll get to the hospital scene. But yeah, he very easily could have just said sent like thirty guys to the hospital, like hey, go fuck the, go, go fuck that hospital up. Instead, yeah, he real. like sneaks in like he's a, like he is a one man army basically. Mm-hmm. So the the very basic gist of the plot is that. Okay, it starts out there's just a, some random killings around. There's like 16 seemingly unrelated but maybe related killings. There's one um uh, the, the a, one that a, the one that opens the movie is that related or not? Yeah, the one that opens the movie it's, is in a King supermarket with the most baffling product placement ever just of how much it is. Like it really does feel like they just filmed in a supermarket like kind of like Clerks, but at least in Clerks they like covered up the logos. Yeah, well, like, it, like, okay, so in this opening scene, this guy just walks into a grocery store with a shotgun and starts bl- blasting up the place. Cobra comes yeah. in to sort of take him out, and while he's yeah. hiding behind a, a shelf, or he's, like, hiding behind one of the aisles, he's, like, standing behind a giant Pepsi display, and he's just, like, chugging a Coors beer yeah, like, right in front of the camera. And also in this scene, I, I remember seeing Bounty, I remember seeing Pampers Loves and Huggies. <laughs> And then later on, there's even RC Cola and Coke hiding in there too, and Coors, Coors and Miller and King mm-hmm. Cobra. It, yeah, because it, you, it's you got to have King Cobra and Cobra. Yeah, it's really weird because they're this very prominent product placement where it seems like someone was paying for it, especially Pepsi. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you still have a Coke machine just sitting in the movie too. Yeah, there's there is like indiscriminate product placement in the movie. They don't they really don't care. So I kind of feel like they just shot the movie and didn't and then like asked for forgiveness after the fact. 
Yeah. Because like I don't, I don't think they would like I don't think Coke or Pepsi would have said yes to it if either one knew the other was in the movie. Yeah, especially with Pepsi, is it's all over the place. He has that giant neon Pepsi sign next to his apartment, but then like the guy with the gun in the supermarket blows up a Pepsi display. That Pepsi display too kind of baffled me. Like I I, I rewound that scene a couple of times and watched it because like yeah. the rope of Pepsi that comes down out of that out of that can into like whatever tub and then recirculates. It's just like. Like it, one of those effects where you're like, it's an optical illusion, but I know it's real. How is it doing this? And uh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, like if in, in today, I would say like, oh, it's some like weird little like, you know, display and like circular display where it's just a picture going down it. But back in the 80s, I'm like, how? what did they do? Right. Like, I don't I, know. It, it can't just be a Pepsi fountain. That would just be insane. <laughs> yeah, that would be an insane uh, waste of resources. So I feel like there's like a back into it where like the chain of like plastic Pepsi goop kind of loops back around. Yeah, it there must be. be. Yeah, it has to be. This is not what is important about the film. It's just something that fascinates me. Yeah. like what I remember watching this movie way, when I was way too young, like probably like six or seven. And all I really oh, remember God. of it is this scene is the Pepsi machine in particular. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that's that's the, your main take. I mean, I'm glad that's your main takeaway from this film at the age of seven. But geez, yeah. So this guy goes in the supermarket, starts shooting the place up and yelling, and the police are all have it all surrounded. And they send in Cobra, who's from the Zombie Squad. Which the idea we got, I got behind that was just it's it's kind of like Z for zombie and their Plan Z, like they're like. When all else fails, send Cobra in, pretty much. Yeah, I got the impression that the zombie squad was basically... They're they're basically like the L.A. cop version of Daredevil. Like, they'll go in after hours and they'll fight the bad guys that the yeah. police can't do, like, procedurally. You yeah, because yeah, later on, there's a, there's a montage of him shaking down just what someone would consider, like, just scum. Which basically just means whoever's awake at night and also a tattoo parlor, basically. Yeah, basically homeless people, tattoo artists, hookers, and whoever happens to go to a bar at night. But so Cobra goes in and he starts arguing with a guy. It's where he says the one one of the two taglines on the poster: "Crime is a disease, and I'm the cure." And the guy is threatening to like blow the place up. And Cobra goes, "Go ahead, I don't shop here." <laughs> yeah, it's a great line for how stupid it is. Yeah, um, but yeah, <laughs> the guy do, the guy does end up killing one hostage, and Cobra throws a knife at him, yells, "Drop the gun!" and then shoots him a bunch of times. And as he goes outside, the cops are all, or not the cops, but the reporters are all being like, they're basically being cop movie reporters. They're just like, why'd you have to kill the guy? Excessive force. And it's like, he he killed that guy first. I mean, yeah, for real. Yeah, he had hostages. Like, not that I'm defending cops just indiscriminately shooting people, but it's like, if cops are going to shoot somebody, maybe the the armed gunman holding hostage who's already executed one of the hostages might be a good place to start, you know, or maybe, maybe that's one of the ones where it's just like, okay, that's, we'll look into this. Yeah, exactly. And not just, not just literally immediately take the fucking murderer's side because you are in fact a reporter in a movie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that, that'll, that'll come back into play at the very end of the movie too. Cause like cops are supposed to have, uh, procedures and and laws that bind what they can do to the to the criminals which and, uh, strikes me as the only reason that kind of language is in this movie is because it was in dirty harry because none of the rest of the movie reflects that at all yeah exactly exactly because because cobra blows away fools like left and right and it doesn't yeah. even matter in, in general i just want to state we we generally have a or at least me and karen generally have a position of basically fuck the police in general 
But movie cops are not police. Movie cops are cartoon characters. Yeah. So when we are in any way supporting, like, just murdering people like Cobra does, only in the context of the context of this is a fucking cop movie. Right. And in the context of, like, yeah, maybe serial killers and and nut jobs with, with guns who, who take over grocery stores, maybe they don't deserve due process. I don't know. It's, it's very sticky, and I don't want to get into it personally. <laughs> yeah. Overall, the important thing is it's a fucking movie. Yeah. Yeah. These people are like these people are out to murder as many people as they can. So yeah, maybe because, they should yeah, because be, they're movie villains. Yeah, exactly because they're movie villains. So, yeah, maybe they should be shot the fuck up. I don't know. So yeah, Cobra has a confrontation with the reporters. Like, is like you think this guy had due process and shoves him literally in front of a corpse's face in front of cameras. He's like, tell that to his parents. Yeah, and they start then, arguing. More. Yeah, sorry. They, there's more cop arguments, and then. There's, like, a, a couple of different more random killings of just literally just random people. Like, a woman coming out of a, of a, of a restaurant, a guy in a car. Like yeah. It's, they're really just targeting whoever. Yeah. It's, it's, fairly, it's pretty indiscriminate, but it seems to be, like, uh, you know, pretty young blondes that are out past curfew, quote-unquote. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah, and, the, and then where the, where the plot actually starts actually kicking in is... At one point, they kill some random woman, and then Brigitte Nielsen's character drives by in a Jeep, and she happens to get a very, very good glimpse of the Night Slasher. Mm-hmm. H- how she knows that he is the Night Slasher and he's the one in charge, I don't fucking know. Um, yeah, she like picked him out of all of them and gave that face to the police sketch artist. Yeah, but they... Uh, Eventually, they they have a mole on the inside, which it was actually very refreshing. the The killers have a have a mole in the cops. It was actually very refreshing that it was clear from the start who the mole was, and it wasn't some big surprise later of oh shock and awe. The one person who's with Stallone and his partner, like the one character we don't know who it is, is the mole. Like it was nice actually knowing that that was you know what I mean, right? Yeah, because like so many so many movies like this will just bring in a random character out of nowhere and be like, oh, I wonder who the fucking mole might be. But then in this movie, you literally see her with the Night Slasher and his crew before she joins the police. So, like, when yeah. she shows up, like, as a cop in the office, you're like, oh, shit, that's one of the Night Slasher's people. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's blatantly obvious. I, I do love in the opening scene of when they're all, like, clanking axes together. First off, some of the people have mismatched axes. There's one guy with a full, like, sized fire axe and then also, like, a m- tiny little hatchet. <laughs> and just some people are wearing, like, cultist robes. And there's just one, like, fat schlubby guy in a suit who looks like yeah, kind of like Milton from Office Space. Yeah, there's just a couple of guys in business suits. Like, this, this cult is drawing in people from all walks of life. I kind of love it. <laughs> Their message um, is going far and wide. Brigitte Nielsen is a model, and she has a, a photo shoot with a bunch of robots because... That's... Okay, this is great. Like, the, the first, like, big montage, like, music video in the movie is, is like... The first half of it is Cobra, like, walking around town at night, questioning people about the Night Slasher. The second half of it is, is Brigitte Nielsen doing a photo shoot with these, like, robots that kind of look... Like, if I didn't know better, I would say they were sex robots, but they can't possibly be because this is the 80s. Yeah, but they're sex robots. It, it's 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 even weirder thinking about like, uh, is it Rocky Three or Rocky Four that has the Happy Birthday Polly robot in it? I think it's four. That's four. Yeah, yeah. It's just, was Stallone just obsessed with having robots in his movies for a little bit? Probably so. Yeah, 
I, I think I he probably saw like a, a sculpture installation, probably on this movie, and said, "Yeah, we should put that in my in next Rocky movie." <laughs> I don't hate it. Is what I'll say. Right. Um, as she's leaving the photo shoot, they attack. Uh, the killers attack and just kill three or four people. Like it is very strange. Like they're they're in a van and they just ram the van into a security guard and into an elevator. And yeah. then drive the van. Uh, like, that's your escape route, isn't it? And they just drive the van off. Like, no one's going to notice this van with a dead, like, security guard in the mangled front of it. Yeah, just hanging out of the, the fucking fender. Like, ugh. And then she, she gets to the cops eventually, and that's when uh, Cobra and his partner, Gonzalez, come in. And Gonzalez, and, by the way, like, I know he's been, in a ton, he's been in tons of stuff, but I just immediately went, oh, that's Poppy from Seinfeld. And uh, Rennie, yeah. Rennie Santoni. Rennie Santoni, yeah. Like, he's been in... He was in Dirty Harry, of all things. Um, Holy shit. You're right. That was fucking Chico from Dirty Harry. Because I was just like... Because I was thinking to myself, why does Stallone have a Hispanic partner? Oh, because Dirty Harry has a Hispanic partner. It's literally fucking Dirty Harry's partner. Uh, hey, hey, Holy John, I've got... Holy shit. I've got, more, I've got more news for you, because uh, uh, Andrew Robinson is the, the guy that, he, that Cobra has, like, beef with on the police force. He was the Scorpio killer in Dirty Harry. That's where I recognize him from, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dude, so this movie. Cobra loves Dirty Harry is kind of what we're coming around to. Not there's anything wrong with that, I guess. No, I don't think so. Um, so, yeah, the rest happened. of the movie is, is Cobra keeping um, Brigitte Nielsen's character. What's her name? Ingrid. Ingrid, that's right. He's keeping Ingrid's. He's protecting her from the the night slasher and his gang. Uh, after usually, usually via killing a bunch of them. Yeah, mostly. But like after the incident at the hospital, where the night slasher himself goes to her hospital room to kill her, and she escapes by uh, after 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 much. Uh, much I don't ado, know what she hits say. a fire alarm. Exactly. And then Cobra um, has to like race to the to the hospital because uh, somebody sent uh, Gonzalez, Gonzalez home. On a wild, yeah, on a wild yeah. goose chase. Yeah. Um, the it, the plot's very light. It's mainly just an excuse to get between action scenes, and it's an eighty-seven minute movie, and there are two like full-on music videos in it. Basically, there's two music videos. There's one yeah. really good car chase, and like I'll say, the car chase in this movie is pretty good. The um, car chase is very good, but also very baffling. Um, I mean, it's just things blowing up and cars going fast, but like... Well, not I, not just that, but who's chasing who in the car chase? He's... Hang on. Cobra... It's not, it, it's not Cobra's the chase, chasing Cobra. Cobra's, Cobra's chasing the Night Slasher because the Night Slasher blows up those two tankers that he that are in front of Cobra on the highway. It's, so Cobra's it's, chasing Night Slasher. You would think in a, in a car chase like this, it would be, oh, the Night Slasher's trying to catch Cobra and Ingrid. But no, Cobra and Ingrid are chasing the Night Slasher down, and Cobra has, like, a fucking, like, Uzi or something just shooting, like, just uh, literally a fucking submachine gun because he's a cop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the only reason the chase ends is because Cobra runs into a, literally runs into a boat, and the Night Slasher yeah. gets away. The scene is completely backwards. It should be Cobra running from the fucking cops, or from the... From the night slasher, not the night slasher running from the fucking cops. Like <laughs> that's but, this, uh, 
the scene has no music in it at all at the start. It's really amazing because you don't really notice for a few minutes into like, oh, wow, there's no music. There's no like da, 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 like chase music. Yeah, for real. And the fact that the, the chase scene doesn't end with like Cobra crashing his car and the Night Slasher and his goons axing him to death is strange to me. <laughs> like, why not? That's the, that's the perfect setup. It's because he kills like four of them and you see them and they're just like, holy shit, we didn't know he was allowed to have guns, too. But there's apparently like ten thousand of them, so I don't know why they weren't in, where they weren't around. Ugh. Uh, um, I want to jump back to one thing we skipped here of just like Cobra's home life because it's amazing. Like he lives like on the beach in like Venice or something, like something that was really trashy in the '80s but still beachfront. Mm-hmm. Um, he lives in like a, a like a rooftop apartment of this building next to a giant neon Pepsi sign. And his, his the, the order the sequence of events when he goes home for the first time are like the stuff of legend, I think. Yeah, he like pulls up and parks like in the street, but like he hits like a fucking like stereotypical like Cuban gangbanger, Cuban even though they're in Los Angeles because shrug. Shit, why um, not? Because they yeah, they made it look so much like Miami. I don't get it. I don't yeah, understand. Like that's 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 specifically why I'm saying Cuban, by the way. I'm not just saying, oh, they all look the same. Right, no, right. It, it's so fucking Miami. Like it's chumping Scarface so hard. He like bumps their car and just pretty much because he has a gun, the guy backs down. Right. Then he, he goes up to his apartment, past a giant Pepsi sign, picks up the newspaper, looks at the front page, puts it in a barbecue grill. Yes. Goes into his apartment, turns the TV on, there's a Toys R Us commercial playing, goes to the fridge, pulls out a pizza box, which somehow is not a brand. It just says pizza. Yeah, it's like, just a, plain pizza. And an egg carton, which has gun oh. cleaning supplies in it. The egg carton was in the freezer, by the way. <laughs> he picks up a pair of scissors, cuts the slice of pizza in half to eat it. He eats the crust, the crust half, and not the half that he cut off. Just leaves it there, and then while he's watching this Toys R Us ad, just starts cleaning his gun. And like also, you do. like half of his apartment is basically like a Pepe Silva board. Yeah, and Ex- he has like he has a bunch of like police computers and shit set up too. Like he's just full on doing detective work at home, which he's probably not. That's probably actually not his job per se to actually be doing all that shit right because it sounds like he's just dumb muscle (coughs) this confused me because there's a scene okay ingrid is at the hospital and like gonzalez is supposed to be there watching after her right yes meanwhile cobra is at home looking over uh fingerprints and and criminal records on his computer to find figure out who this night slasher person is then he gets a phone call from gonzalez gonzalez says that somebody sent him home or sent him to cobra's house from the hospital no so, no, hang send him on. Cobra's, no send him to cobra's office at the police station not his house okay okay because well, that, that okay that confused me because i was like hang on what why did why did Gonzalez call Cobra from Cobra's house if Cobra is already yeah. home? Oh, uh, God, this movie. Yeah, I think we're conflating two house scenes right here, but it basically all runs together. It's all the same, really. Because, I mean, yeah, yeah, Cobra gets the call from Gonzalez and realizes, oh, shit. And he runs outside, and there are immediately three, like, masked axe-wielding murderers outside his house. Like, outside yeah. his front door. In his and, house, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he just fucking kills all three of them and just leaves them there. And it's really funny because you see you see this this literal body count Cobra is leaving behind, and the police are like, "Oh, we don't think it's more than one guy." It's like I, I killed six of them tonight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's and it's like 
it's like a, a news flash to them that the Night Slasher is not just one guy. It's one guy plus an entire gang of like goons. Um, yeah, so he goes back to the back to the hospital, gets her out, and they come up with a plan that the, the other cops agree to the plan basically to get Cobra out of their hair is, well, if she leaves town and the Night Slashers are only really concerned about killing her because she's a witness, then he'll follow her. Exactly. It's kind of a it's kind of a great plan to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Like if they're if they're just concerned about g- keeping crime down in L.A., what better plan than to lure the criminals that are currently plaguing the streets out of L.A.? There you go. Yeah. yeah so they they go to a foundry town. I think it was called San Remos in one of the signs. Mm-hmm. Which it's really funny because as soon as they go out of the country, the Coke machine appears. When it was, was in L.A. was a Pepsi city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the Coca Cola is the is the drink of the people. Pepsi is the bougie, you know, urban whatever. <laughs> Pepsi is the, is the choice of a new generation. Coca Cola Classic for real America. Yeah, uh, Gonzalez drinking Coca Cola Classic. Yeah the, the 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 party leaving town is it's Cobra Gonzalez Ingrid and Stalks who is the mole. Yeah, Lady Cop Mole. And so they're they're they go to some town, um, just some random town, into a uh, hotel. Um, Cobra starts going through his supplies, which are it's a fucking submachine gun with a laser sight and a bunch of grenades, in addition to his like pearl handled handled in, engraved with a Cobra handgun. Yeah. Um, and then he and Brigitte Nielsen fuck because why What's not? And then all literally and it, literally like hundreds of murderers show up at this town that has four hundred people in it. Yeah, like the, the the last the end of the movie is like a western standoff. Well, that's yeah, not the even last, the end of the movie. It's just this action scene. Yeah, the the last twenty minutes of the movie are basically an action scene, and then like two minutes of like wrapping up the plot. Yeah, no, for like for like it, it's kind of baffling to me, but like for real, the last twenty the last act of this movie is like Rio Bravo meets fucking Terminator 2 because there's yeah. the, the the western standoff with all the 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 axe gang uh attacking this motel that they're in and Cobra and Ingrid somehow getting out alive and then leading them on a chase into a foundry down the street and the the entire last action scene of the movie takes place in basically the 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 foundry from Terminator 2 yeah it's it's a it's a sparks and fire factory yeah it's Patton Oswalt's sparks factory <laughs> Um, but yeah, he yeah. kills, he kills you know, the rest of the goons and then he finally like meets the night strangler, not the not night strangler, the night slasher in person. And they have a standoff and the night slasher starts going out. Oh, you have to take me in if you can fucking pig while he's holding a knife and a gun. And it's yeah. like, <laughs> if you surrendered, he might have to take you in, but you're sitting yeah, there you're, holding a gun. He could just fucking shoot you for, you're still actively threatening a police officer. Like, I don't yeah. think that dog's going to hunt. Yeah. And so, so Cobra Cobra responds to this by grabbing him, picking him, or they, I mean, they fight for a while, but he finally grabs him, picks him up, and then, like, hangs him on a, a meat hook, then sends him sailing into a blast furnace. Yeah. It's horrifying. Like, I know he's the villain, but that's a horrifying death. So then, yeah, then they go out, and Gonzalez is going to the hospital, and Cobra gets confronted by Monty, who is Scorpio from Dirty Harry, mm-hmm. and he's just like... He's just like, you kind of overdid it, didn't you, uh, Cobra? It's just like, all you have to do is be like, I don't agree with your ways, but damn it, you get results because you're a cop in a movie. You're like, damn, you're a damn fine cop, but like, no. 
yeah, instead he's fucking mouths off, and then Cobra shakes his hand and sucker punches him, which is hilarious, to be honest. And none of the other cops bat a fucking eye about it. The other cops are just kind of <laughs> like, eh, that probably should have happened, yeah. Punches him in the face, and he's like, eh, no hard feelings, right? And then Ingrid and Cobra get on a motorcycle, and... and just Zed's dead baby off into the sunset. Yeah, and to the, to some, like, random 80s tune, I, I don't recall, I think it's the Gary Wright song on the soundtrack. Uh, One I thing... wrong. Yeah, one but thing I, I was at the trivia is that the touch from Transformers was originally written for this movie, but they didn't use it. That's that's a baffling thing to me. <laughs> that oh my god, it's like I want to see a version of this movie now that just inexplicably has the touch in the middle of it. Or hell, not even the touch. Just I want to hear Marky Marks singing the touch in this movie because yeah, that this... feels like that feels like kind of not quite contemporary, but like the kind of thing that would definitely be in a mid eighties Stallone movie. Yeah. This movie is just overall so baffling because it's kind of like a nothing fart of a movie, but it has all these weird connections to other shit. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's what I kind of love about movies how how the like the productions will sort of shift and and morph over time into different things and like yeah, uh, just like how Die Hard started out as potentially a sequel to a Frank Sinatra detective movie called the I guess the Detective, right? But like, yeah, this movie started out as Beverly Hills Cop. Like, that's so bizarre. I love yeah, it. And I, and I mean, if you really, if you really want a two, a two, literally a two word summary to what the fuck this movie was about, Canon, Canon Group. That's all you got to know. Yeah, Canon Group, Golan Globus. Like, they threw some money at Stallone because they knew it would make money. And yeah, I think yeah. the only reason they're they're like they're like company logos not on the movie is because it's largely a Warner Brothers movie. Yeah. But for those who don't know, let's just go, let's just run through a little bit of Canon's uh, oeuvre, I guess. Yeah. Masters of the Universe, Over the Top, American Ninja, uh, American um, Ninja Two. I'm looking at the list of things you've heard of. Basically, all the American Ninja movies, and right. just a bunch of a bunch of random who the fuck knows what this is '80s action movies and shit like that. And then also just inexplicably, just a bunch of like boob comedies. Yeah, it's so, like, it's so looking, weird. Where the fuck do you go? Hot T-shirts. The description IMDb gives is: In order to avoid having to close his bar, the owner and some friends organize a wet T-shirt competition. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But then a movie and just called Slumber Party Fifty Seven. Gee, I wonder what that's about. Mm, I have no idea. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's canon in a nutshell. Like this is just the kind of shit that they make. I mean, it's it's all like, it's. There's some gems, but it's mostly shit. Yeah, like, canon is, like, on, like, the pantheon of just 80s trash movies. Yeah. And I and I fucking love them for it. But, yeah, so Cobra, as far as Christmas is concerned, like, we said it before, and I feel like it bears repeating. This really is the movie that diehard detractors think diehard is. Yeah. Because there's, there's, there's Christmas lights, and that's, and that's about it. Yeah, there's Christmas decorations all over the place that no one really ever bothers to acknowledge. And, and you, you, you can't make the argument that, like, this is about a man, like, reclaiming his family or redeeming himself or anything like that. Because, no, it's just about Cobra blowing away some fools. Yeah. Like, there's no other plot to the movie. And there's no, like, you, like you, at, to the extent that you could say Die Hard has a subtext, like, there's, no, there's none of that subtext here in, in Cobra. It's straight up Stallone riding a motorcycle and shooting some guys and the 
Yeah, no. Yeah, and in retrospect, at first I thought, before I rewatched it for this, I thought kind of the reason it was set at Christmas was just alone being like, yeah, it's extra fucked up that there's these killers because it's Christmas. But the movie doesn't even bother to say that. Like, yeah, it, like no no one in the movie at any at any point, like, has the speech where they go, like, it's terrible this is happening around the holidays. We have to stop it, you know? Yeah. We, last, t- last time on the show, we did Team America World Police because that was kind of a special case where we didn't want to talk about Christmas. We wanted to talk about something completely different. This time, though, I feel like it's important for us to set out, you know, uh, when we say a movie is a Christmas movie, what are we talking about? And this is kind of the paradigm for movies that have Christmas in it but aren't Christmas movies because this is the bare minimum of what you're allowed to do and still get away with being on our show, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I yeah. mean, and I, I, to, to to the point, if you wanted to watch this at Christmas and be like, "Yeah, this is my Christmas movie," weird flex, but okay, you know, yeah, I'm like not, no I'm one's not, stopping you. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to fucking deny that to you because what the fuck ever, you know? Yeah, listen, like we are not the Christmas police. The Christmas police <laughs> no. are out there, but we are not them. No, we are, we are the Christmas zombie squad. We are the Christmas zombie squad. That's right. I did call us Judge Judy and Executioner in the last segment, so I can't really defend the statement that we're not the Christmas police. We're not the Christmas police because the Christmas police are a bunch of assholes that don't like anybody celebrating Christmas in a way well, that they I, don't approve of. I know. We are, we, are, we are Christmas internal affairs. We are Christmas internal <laughs> affairs. That's right. We are the Christmas police police. <laughs> I'll take it. Listen, Christmas police, if you're out there telling people that they're not allowed to celebrate Christmas in a way that you don't deem appropriate, we're on to you, and we're going to get you. Fuck you. By by making fun of you, maybe by name, on our podcast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, lordy. Uh, (laughs) Well, I think, I feel like that's a good good place for us to stop and um, switch gears here and go over to the crankometer. Yes. Where we will rate this film on our patented XY axis, where we discuss how Christmassy the movie is versus how good it actually is. Uh, so, Johnny Five, on the crankometer, on the X axis, how Christmassy is Cobra? Okay. Like we it's, usually say, it's not really at all. So, it's, yeah, it's pretty not. much starting from zero. Um, you, at the same time, it, it does kind of follow Bradford's theory on just like one in 12 movies has Christmas decorations in it because that's how the year works. Exactly. Yeah, really this really feel... is like his his best sort of case scenario, I think. Yeah. Um I don't want to give it too many negative points because like it's it doesn't actively have a shitty Christmas message, which is what I really like to reserve like negative 4 and 5 for. Mm. But I would I would say like negative 2 or negative 3 cuz it has Christmas for absolutely no purpose in it. Right. It it it, it use it has it for no purpose but doesn't use it um, Ill, in an ill-advised way. Yeah. So I feel if like a negative three is probably a good... Yeah, it, yeah. if you don't use it, you're not misusing it, at least. Yeah, yeah. And they barely even use it. So yeah, I feel like negative three is probably allowed. Um, yeah. Good. Good. That, glad that we, we settled that quickly. Uh, Y-axis, how good is Cobra? This is a little trickier because while I enjoyed it, I, wonder, I, I have to wonder how much of that enjoyment is ironic. I, I mean, I, I, ironic enjoyment is still iron is still enjoyment, though. That's true. I mean, but I'm not gonna give this movie like a, a super bonus points for being like a, a great action movie because it's kind of not. It's it's competent. It's fine. It's just it's 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 a spectacle in sense of like what the fuck am I even watching? 
Yeah, what even way. is this? And if I have to give it any brownie points at all, it's for being short, knowing when to quit, and um, I don't know, just knowing what it is and what it isn't. Yeah, I'll, and to, I'll, it, I'll have to say, kind of, a, if a lesser, a, a not even a lesser, just I don't even know how to describe it, but like there wasn't a sex scene in this movie, and any other guy who was written directed starring catered by his own movie with his wife would totally put a gratuitous fucking sex scene in it yeah yeah but at the same time imagine a worse movie than cobra i'm not sure what that movie looks like but because this movie is still not that Um, great maybe samurai cop Probably like, but at, the, but at that point, you're just like dipping into like in t- almost intentional, like bad filmmaking. Yeah. yeah. Like so this, this is, was this was intended to be an actual major movie because fucking Stallone's in it at the height of Stallone's career. Right. And it, it well, not, not that not that uh, uh, how much money it made is, has any bearing on how good it is. But this was actually kind of a hit back in the day. Um, so I. It's it is really weird watching Stallone in this, though, because he's definitely in good shape. But he's not yeah. just a walking steroid like he is in movies before and after this. Yeah, but at the same time, you can tell he's really kind of trying to bite that Dirty Harry's vibe kind of hard because he's 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 like really leaning into the catchphrases and he's really sort of doing the 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 grizzled cop thing. Yeah, we didn't mention it. he's chewing on a matchstick literally the entire movie. He's chewing on a matchstick on the cover of the movie, on the poster even. So that's like his thing. Um. God, I don't know. I'm, I want to give this just a, a carbon neutral zero because, like, as much as I enjoyed it, it is not a great movie, and I don't want to give it points it doesn't deserve. Yeah, I would. I would be perfectly happy giving this as a one or a zero. Yeah. Okay. So we can go with zero. Let's, let's go zero. Yeah. So uh, Booker, this is your last one for 2018. Uh, mark it down: negative three and zero for Cobra. I'm happy with that. Oh boy! So it's been a hell of a year, John. It has. We've, we have gone year. to some places. We've had some great guests on our show, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the new year has in store for us on Christmas Creeps. So we will take do, a. Br- do what we want to get any sort of previews or suggestions or anything like that. No, because I honestly have no idea. I honestly have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean we 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 do this every year, where we 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 come up with a list of things that we want to do on the show. And the, then at the end of the year, the list of things we did do that we said we would do is like maybe three or four. Yeah. How many years uh, now have you been saying we were going to watch Scrooged? Two, I feel like. Yeah. So like, we're going to watch it last year. We're going to watch it the year before. Yeah. And uh, we, we, like we said last week, we've, we've still got um, our, our friend Jacob still has us on the line for doing uh, Santa's sleigh. So at some point we got to get to that. Yeah. But uh yeah, this year I, th- I think of the movies that I kind of s- plotted out for us, we really only did- covered three or four of them. <laughs> so all I'm going to say is, you know, the next year is going to have uh, some fun surprises because even we don't know what the hell we're doing before we do it. Um, but we're going to take a, a break. I feel like we're going to we'll take a two or three month month no week. Uh, take a break for a few weeks, and we'll be back in the new year with. Uh, I guess we're going to call it season five of Christmas Creeps. Is that how podcasts do that now? Like, it's just... Yeah, we go with that, yeah. All right. Yeah. So, uh... We, we, we would, we've been doing this for four full fucking years at this point. What the hell's wrong with us? 
I really don't know, and I, I'm kind of disturbed. Well, I think that's going to do it for this uh, year of Christmas Creeps 2018. Uh, if you have any questions or comments or future episodes that you'd like us to cover at some point, uh, you can get at us a few different ways. Uh, you can email us at xmascreeps at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Christmas Creeps. Uh, go to facebook.com slash Christmas Creeps and subscribe to us on there. Uh, go to iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and or YouTube. Any one of those sites, whichever one you prefer, uh, like, comment, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. Let people know that this is a show worth listening to. Please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. Also, I would like to say that we are proud members of the Christmas Podcast Network, a coalition of like-minded holiday fanatics who just want to spread the Christmas cheer uh, the one way we know how, and that's through the magic of podcasting. The show that I want to highlight today is uh, Deck the Hallmark, which is a show hosted by Bran, Dan, and Dan. They just wrapped up their very first uh, season where they reviewed all 37 movies produced by the Hallmark Channel this year, which was a mammoth undertaking, and I am honestly kind of impressed and amazed that they made it. It's a great podcast. It's a fun, very entertaining podcast. You should definitely check it out. But if you're not really a fan of the Hallmark sort of flavor of of, uh, Christmas, uh, that's okay, because the Christmas Podcast Network has shows for all flavors of holiday entertainment so go to christmas podcast network today and check out the shows on the network and uh, yeah have a great time uh so for christmas creeps i am joseph wade uh here for johnny five the human robot uh karen five and mr bradford wishing everybody a happy new year and a safe new year and we will see y'all down the road in just a few short weeks where we will kick off uh, season five of Christmas Creeps. Have a great night and peace out. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. I'll leave with one final thought. Cobra uses nitrous on a residential street in this movie. If I had to describe this movie in one in one sentence, it would be: What if Dominic Toretto were a cop? <laughs>